Elliot, did you hear SpaceX is planning on sending two people around the moon as early as next year? Next year? Man, I would love to send, let's see, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Steve Bannon, Sean Spicer. Um, Elliot, you know there's only, there's only enough room for two people on this thing. Oh, come on. There's got to be room in the overhead compartment. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. This is a story of tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. The last and greatest adventure of mankind, a plunge toward the conquest of space. Geek Counter Geek number 83. I'm Keith Conrad, at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime over there, Elliot Serrano, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Elliot, good to talk to you again this week. Good to talk to you. At Elliot Serrano, that's with two L's, two T's, and two R's. If you're following the Elliot Serrano with only one T, you are being robbed of your full geeky Twitter entertainment. And, of course, you can also follow the show at Geek Counter Geek uh, on Twitter and Geek Counter Geek on Facebook. And if you want to send us uh, some email, go ahead at uh, geekcountergeek at gmail.com. I just went ahead and, and, you know, snatched up everything that was Geek Counter Geek related. Have we gotten any hate mail? Uh, you know, we, we have gotten a little uh, a little hate mail, but, uh, you know, nothing, uh, no, nothing to, to write home about yet. Well, I will say the moment the hate mail starts coming in where people can actually spell and use punctuation, that's when I'll get concerned. Uh, it's never going to happen. Yeah, it's never no. going to happen. I mean, I like the way you, you know, it's like you, you, they, they, they just can't, like, it's all caps. I love it when it's all caps. Yeah, there's, or, there's no need to shout at us. Yeah, really. It's all caps. Or, better yet, there it's like all lowercase lettering and there no punct- there's no punctuation. And you sit there and go, what? What? And uh, Elliot, in addition to being the caretaker of a viral sensation, Sinbad the Cat, uh, you've also become a viral sensation yourself these days, thanks in part because of our uh, the aforementioned President Trump. You know, I wish I could say I was a viral sensation, but it's funny. Now I know what it's like when you create a meme. You know, people see memes all the time throughout the Internet, and some take off and some are forgotten. And some just take off so well, and you never wonder. You ever wonder where they came from? Well, I'll tell you, the Superman meme that I put together uh, originated as I was lying in bed with my cat, and I just decided to take a picture of Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent and Superman, and use him to make a little bit of a statement on how Donald Trump uh, doesn't like immigrants. Or the or um, the press, and I was I'm astounded at how it's gone over. This meme not only has it um, gone viral on Twitter, it's been re- it's been retweeted by countless comic book professionals. That that kind of astounds me. It's gone viral on Facebook. The uh, DC fan pages have retweeted it, and it's caused arguments. 
it's called arguments because I, I make a note where um, it says that uh, Superman himself is an illegal immigrant. Which technically and, Superman is. Which te- he is. But it's caused arguments over how he was a naturalized citizen. <laughs> That DACA would apply to him. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. Technically, I guess he'd be a dreamer because his be dreamer? His, his parents kind of kind of brought him across the border, you know, <laughs> before he had any say in the matter. So yeah, yep. DACA he, DACA would apply to him. And yet, ironically, not a single person defending Clark Kent as a journalist. So this SpaceX story is is really something. I mean, it, it escalated things quite a bit because you know. I'd, a lot of people, you know, because I'm a I'm a big space geek. They ask me about, you know, all this, uh, all all this sort of stuff, and and I I would I would tell them that you know it's it's entirely possible that SpaceX one day is actually going to beat NASA to to Mars, um, you know, because because they're you know they're they're pretty well on their way to you know at least demonstrating you know that their concepts work, and um, you know they they want to do it in less than ten years, and NASA's not going to be able to do that and then they go and kind of leapfrog everybody by saying you know what we can send people to the moon why not well it's not like the technology's not there it's not like it hasn't been done before you know we've been to the moon before we know how to do it we've done it multiple times if anything the technology we have now is even better than the tech that we had back in the 1960s and 70s so it's not unheard of i think what the, the, the really interesting part of it is this going to be a commercial venture that it's going to be, you know, if you've got the money for it, you know, we can send you to the moon. I remember seeing the footage, though, of that SpaceX uh, landing, the ship landing, and oh my god, we talked about this in a previous Geek Counter Geek. It looked like one of those old Disney animations. Remember? We talked yeah, because about- you know you look at the at the stuff from the fifties, and they always had the whole rocket, you know, coming back, uh, you know, either you know the whole rocket turning around and landing on the moon or coming back to land on Earth. So it re- it really does seem like something something out of the fifties. So I was like, wow, that looks like someone you know on that project remembered those old you know disney 50s animations i'm wondering if they're gonna have the little bottle space capsule that comes out of the bottom of the ship you know and and does the moonwalking type stuff i remember thinking that was the coolest thing you know, oh, i was yeah. always disappointed you know, i was always disappointed the space shuttle didn't have anything like that kind of like i'm kind of like i'm disappointed when i learned that air force one doesn't really have an escape capsule on it yeah like, you know? yeah that was a sad moment when i learned that too and I was like, "Come on!" And and that the that the White House doesn't have Patriot missiles under the lawn, you know, <laughs> like in like in um in um Olympus has fallen. I I, I thought they had Patriot missiles. Come on, yeah. that, that would be Patriot if I ever became elected president. Uh, you know, God forbid. That that would be the the saddest moment when you learn that. Well, you know. Really, there isn't a whole lot to the whole Roswell crash. It really was just a weather balloon or, you know, there haven't been aliens. And, you know, yeah, somebody tries to uh, to fly a plane into the White House, you know, we're, we're going to be able to shoot it down. But it's not quite as elaborate as you think. No, because you're just going to scramble a fighter jet to do it. You know, you're not going to have, you know, those cool, uh, cool missile launcher. Maybe even like, I would like to think they had transformers, you know, like. Those, the, you know, those are those vehicles in the front are actually, you know, Autobots. They are more <laughs> than meets the eye. Yeah, they're to defend the president. <laughs> Let's roll out. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it like like I said, that would be the uh, you know there, there's a there's a list of things that I'd want to uh, that I want to know about like the second I become elected president, and uh, I, I'd probably be disappointed in all of them. Yeah. So I mean, to me, the whole idea back to the idea about SpaceX going to the moon. I mean, when you really think about it. I mean, I remember there was a time when I was really a little bit sad that NASA NASA wasn't doing all these missions. But now you're like, hey, you know, they're they're the ones who are kind of like setting up the the setting the stage for it. And now private industry is coming out, and they're they're going to do it. So, yay, capitalism! Uh, yeah, I mean, I it, I think uh, you know that's one thing that uh, you know I think that uh, President Obama he um, you know he kind of kind of kind of stop nasa from you know from flying for a while but one thing that he he did invest in quite a bit was uh, was private uh, or commercial space flight and uh, you know now we're we're seeing the benefits of that so you know he uh he well no president has been my favorite but uh uh you know i may have had some disagreements with him but good on him for that one well, come on, JFK. I mean, you weren't born yet, but still, JFK. Oh, oh, yeah. I was thinking in my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, J- JFK would be pretty good. Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln's my Lincoln's homeboy. A good one. Yeah, hey, he's uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I just the whole thing that you know, I had a civil war, but you know, big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you know, he okay. okay. The, the man can rock moon. a beard. That's that's the important yeah. thing. Right, yeah, you can go to the moon, all right? What are we going to do on the moon? Now, that's my next question. I remember that old, remember that show with Andy Griffith that he did called Salvage? Oh, right? I love that one, yeah. Remember that show? And he wanted to go to the moon. Why? Because he wanted to collect all the, the stuff that NASA left behind. He wanted to salvage it and then bring it back and sell it. So when SpaceX goes to the moon, can they do that? Can they like collect the, all the old, you know, Apollo capsules and and all that stuff that's up there and bring it back and sell it? Can you imagine how much that would go for the two collectors here on the on? Can you, um, on can you imagine planet? seeing that on eBay? <laughs> you know, slightly used lunar rover. But well, it's actually worth pointing out that on this mission, um, they're not going to be landing. They're just going to slingshot around the moon and come back. But uh, they're gonna they're they're actually going to end up. Because they're flying, you know, just around the moon once and then coming back to Earth, they're actually going to go further and faster than any of the Apollo astronauts did. My guess is they can probably make the trip a little bit quicker, a little bit better. Yeah, because it's a it's a it's a smaller ship that's uh you know it's uh they're they're a little bit everybody's gotten a little bit better at building rockets now, so so yeah they'll. Uh, it, it'll definitely be a sl- yeah it'll still be about three days each way but um you know it, it will be a quicker trip the the question is will they have netflix though i certainly hope so can you imagine being crammed into like a, a, a space the size of a minivan and you know you got like a deck of cards to, to keep yourself entertained because <laughs> because that's what the apollo astronauts were dealing with you know you can only play you can only play hearts and go fish so many times you know i'm saying netflix and then you know that there that right there there is your advertising hook right there you know yeah like, i mean if but, you're netflix i give them a laptop and say here's here's everything that's on netflix loaded onto this hard drive 
go watch to your heart's content. Just take a couple pictures with the moon in the background and Netflix and the Netflix logo right there. That's all you have to right do. There. Yeah, and you what? And you when they come back, okay, what did you binge watch on your way to the moon? No, and that'd be that would be something. And, and you know, like they put a they put a camera streaming, you know, live streaming from the outside of the spacecraft, and that's like the Netflix live camera. Oh, you could you could you could stream that on Netflix. You, you could, could watch yeah. Mission on Netflix as in real time as it occurred, and then later on you can make it. You know, making of a moon landing, or you know, of a moon make a moon shot. You know, uh, a you, Netflix you know, original series. The, the only potential pitfall with this mission is that uh, you know it, it it's it's going to cost like at least a hundred million dollars each each person to do this. So it's going to have to be somebody who has a, a whole crap load of money to, to just spend on something like this. You know, I'm really hoping it's, it's, you know, like, you know, like Tom Hanks decided to do this or something. And it's not some, you know, it's not some evil oil baron or something, you know. <laughs> the what, you know what I would give to see Tom Hanks and Richard Branson fly to the moon together? Well, yeah, on the, on the on the conference call, they uh, Elon Musk said it's only going to be these two people. Like they haven't identified them yet because they want to go through you know health testing and everything to make sure that they can they can do this. So they're going to announce who it is at a later date. These two people know each other. That's about the only uh, the only uh, information he was he was willing to give. Um, uh, you know, it really it it could be anybody. I, I, I'm just hoping it's it, it's somebody that, you know, I, I hope it's somebody we've heard of or at the very least, like somebody who's got a, a good, compelling story that, you know, it'll it'll get people really interested in in watching them. I guess what we're missing is we we probably should consider someone who could actually fly a spaceship, you know. Well, actually, the it's all automatic. The uh, the you know you know how 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 Tesla's you know Elon Musk's other company they all drive themselves now, so uh, the 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 Dragon uh, the Dragon version two is actually it, it it flies itself. I don't know though. I don't know if I want to risk Tom Han- Tom Hanks in space. On, a, on an automatic flight, you know, oh, he's too precious. Uh, you, you a national could, you could literally just like tie. You could make a documentary about it and just title it "Tom Hanks in Space" and print money. <laughs> that would be <laughs> like see, seriously. He he said that you know the Elon Musk said this mission is just going to be the two people. But if I were him, I would say, "Hey Tom, you want to come join us for free?" And, and can you imagine <laughs> how much of a news story that would be? I have it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Here it is. This will pay for the whole mission. Netflix documentary. Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, bosom buddies in space. Oh, see, yeah, that that's it. Yeah, <laughs> Elon, call us. Call us. We I'm we know you listen. Moneymaker, my friend. Everyone is going to tune in for that one. Netflix, the subscriptions are going to go through the roof. Bye bye, Breadbox. Yeah, yeah, that that would be uh, that, that would be pretty amazing. And I, I I I would be glued to the TV the whole time that was that was on. I'd be binging that. Can you imagine binge watching that as they binge watch something? That would be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of uh, of people who make a living acting. 
Um, Patrick Stewart, you know, they've been uh, they've been doing the the press junket for Logan. Um, and so, um, you know, Hugh Jackman, he said that uh, after Logan, he's done. Uh, was it after Logan, or it, is there a potentially a sequel to Logan? Is is Logan? I think, no, I think he said this is his swan song. This is it. He's he's pretty much done with this one. I mean, because people have been, you know, after this, they were saying, "Oh no, you've got to do another," because apparently Logan is probably the best of the X Men movies. We'll see. They keep saying that. Um, yeah. Uh, so so Patrick Stewart and uh, and Hugh Jackman they they were at a a screening of it. And um, you know, he said, "This, this is it." I, I think both from, uh, you know, like an art, an artistic standpoint that you know you've probably told every story you can tell, and uh, also just uh, you know this particular story just rounds everything out so well that uh, you know, a- after this, they're both done. And you know, you're right. I mean, they when you consider when they started uh, the X Men franchise, and you had. It, it it was a lot of folks really were very um, reticent about Hugh Jackman becoming Logan. Um, he there was another actor I'm I'm blanking on his name. He ended up uh, becoming the foil for Tom Cruise in the second Mission Impossible movie that a John Woo directed, and he couldn't do X Men because of that. Um, but yeah, and, and then. Uh, and there were folks were saying, oh, well, Hugh Jackman's too tall, Wolverine's a very short guy, all these things. And yeah, and then he came out and he really made the character his own, even to the point where it turned out, you know, he took over the franchise. It ended up being, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men. It happened in the comic books, too, though. But yeah, it really it really did happen in uh, a lot of the movies. And Patrick Stewart, in, you know, embodied Professor X, which is something that you would think, well, okay, yeah, sure, he's bald like Professor X in the <laughs> comic books. and and But we really knew Patrick Stewart more as Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, because um, when did the X-Men come out? I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, they, they were, yeah, it, it had to be well after 94, so they were done doing, you know, the TV series. They were They were into the movies by the time X-Men came out. Yeah, they came out just a little bit after the Matrix movies came out. I want to say Matrix was in 99. So, yeah, somewhere along there, because everyone kept making the, the comparisons of the outfits that the X-Men wore in um, the first X-Men film with the Matrix um, leather coats. Um, because, uh, you know, so why can't they wear the spandex? And, you know, um, X-Men, it, a lot of people forget that the first X-Men film um, is credited first with making superhero movies really more palatable. A lot of folks thought that, like the last, even the last Superman movie was too campy. Um, and yes, the Blade movies were pretty cool, but no one really considered them superhero movies. So when it came straight up superheroes, the fact that the X Men were able to wear costumes that looked, you know, kind of badass, but they were leather. Yeah, I, I would say it was the first, um, you know, it, it kind of ushered in the wave of, of you know, quote-unquote gritty, uh, you know, superhero sci-fi sort of movies. For better or worse, I mean, you know, if, if the end of that road was, uh, you know, the, uh, the Zack Snyder Superman movies, 
I, I'm not sure if that was a positive or not, but it, but it did kind of usher in that era. By the way, as an aside, holy crap, Suicide Squad won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, we, we live, dude, just think about the crazy world that we live in these days. Donald Trump is president, Elon Musk is sending people to the moon, and Suicide Squad won an Oscar. I think that's why Do- Elon Musk is sending us to the moon. I think after that, he's going to be sending people to those seven new planets that they've discovered. Yeah, they, this <laughs> is just a warm-up act for, for you know, ma- building a, a big, huge ship like they had in, uh, in Passengers and uh, just sending, you know, just sending a few lone survivors of humanity to, a, to one of those planets to start all over. Start over. Yeah, but uh, so, you know, you think about, um, yeah, you're right. The, the, the whole thing, you know, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, they made their mark in the X-Men franchise. And, and I don't blame them. They, you know, they've been on this road for a while. Um, they, you know, they were, it was, uh, they had some ups and downs. I mean, there were more bad X-Men movies than there were good X-Men movies, unfortunately. Or, I mean, I would say there were more, there were more bad Wolverine movies because it, it's funny that it cracks me up that, you know, you had X-Men Origins Wolverine, which everyone was excited to see and the movie sucked. And oh. then the second Wolverine movie came out, which everyone was excited to see. And it sucked. So, everyone, everyone's really excited for the third Wolverine movie, and they're saying it's the best X-Men movie ever. I still say X-Men First Class is probably one of, the, one of their best X-Men films. Yeah, and then in uh, X-Men, you know, Days of Future Past, and, th- and this may have a lot to do with uh, Patrick Stewart saying, you know what, I'm done. The, you know, that was really kind of shoehorning, uh, you know, shoehorning the old guys into that, into that story. Yeah. But it's like, I remember when I saw Days of Future Past, I, because um, we hadn't seen, you know, the Patrick Stewart as uh, Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier, or the Ian McKellen um, Magneto, you know. Uh, we hadn't seen them in a while, and I forgot how much I really missed them. So being able to get the first class cast and yeah. the original X-Men cast together was refreshing and fun. And then that was a and, nice. Way and of you passing. did get a you did get a a couple you know cameos from the other you know X Men characters, which was cool too. So the challenge now is how are they going to recast these characters? I mean, James McAvoy, you can keep him on board to play P- Professor Xavier for a bit. You know, um, I can see that. But yeah, who is your next Wolverine? That's going to be a challenge because um, I don't know if you can go in with a name. Uh, for Wolverine, you probably have to do another unknown, just like Hugh Jackman was in the beginning. I mean, Hugh Jackman really was better known for his um, Broadway work, you know, for his theater work, his musical work. And then after that, boom, you know, he took off. So probably the same thing. Um, they'll have to do the same thing again with Logan, with uh, Wolverine. Well, I wonder if if there's really any any plans to do any more X Men stuff after this. I mean, the the uh, Days of Future Past it. it May, if I remember correctly, I think it, it you know, it, it didn't exactly flop, but it wasn't as good as the, uh, didn't do as well as the first one. Um, the Apocalypse movie, actually. Oh, yeah, that that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The, the, yeah, no, the, Apocalypse, yeah. No, you're, you're right. I mean, but they did set up a sequel <laughs> for um, X-Men Apocalypse. I mean, Oh, I well, they also right. set up a sequel to Ghostbusters, but, uh, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think that one's going to be happening. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. Well, wow. I, you know, hey, no, hey I, I'm not saying it's fair or not. I'm just saying it, it's not likely it's going to happen. 
This is true. Uh, maybe once, you know, if, if a 20th Century Fox gives up on the property, or maybe they pull a deal similar to what Sony did with Spider-Man, and they go, okay, Marvel, help us figure this out, because I'm telling you, you want to make bank with a movie um, after uh, Avengers Infinity War comes out, you come up with Avengers versus X-Men, and boom, there you go. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. You could, uh, yeah, you could, you could print money with that, and then uh, you know, you, you convince Hugh Jackman to come back for that one more thing. <laughs> hey, Harrison Ford's going to do another Indiana Jones, and he's pushing eighty. I don't see why Hugh Jackman can't do another X Men. Yeah, why not? Speaking of uh, ill-conceived superhero movies, um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 Batman. It's a uh, it, it's just a, a soap opera at this point. It, it it's taking more odd twists and turns than Star Trek Discovery, which, by the way, has been delayed again until the fall. Um, so now uh, War for the Planet of the Apes director Matt Reeves has taken over for Ben Affleck as the uh, director. Oh, and, but wait a minute. I heard he doesn't want to do it. Oh, no. The, it, it was kind of back and forth with the last I heard. But, you know, this might be literally an up-to-the-minute thing, so, so let's, uh, let's make sure that we have the, uh, the, uh, the, the latest information here. But the last I heard was that he, he was actually on board for this thing. Maybe he thought better of it, too. Well, it's, you know, the, there was some issues. I mean, Ben Affleck's issue, obviously, was a script. You know, in the beginning, he was like, you know, I want to make a good Batman movie, and he was supposed to be working on the script, with his writer from Argo, and they were supposed to be coming up with a script that Ben Affleck was supposed to direct. And then Affleck's like, you know, you know what? I don't. Know. He had just done that the gangster pick, um, right? Which did not do to live by night. Live by what? But I mean, come on, that was it was a period piece, and I don't know what he was expecting. I mean, I don't know if people were expecting him to do, you know, blockbuster, you know, every time out. I mean, he had done his last two picks before did fairly well. He was due, you know, for, a, you know, kind of a, a, a hiccup. Um, but and, and even the word is that he's he's kind of tiring with the idea of being Batman anymore. He doesn't want to be Batman. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a little like it's a little Trumpian in that, uh, you know, like it's just been such a barrage for so long that I can see how he'd be like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to do this. Hey, when you think about it, he's only done Batman for one movie, one and, movie, and the and the uh, the Justice League movie. And Justice League, and, and you know, originally wasn't that going to be it for him? Like it wasn't going to be a, a a standalone thing. It was just going to be you know this new iteration of the Batman character was going to be you know a part of the Superman universe, and that was that was kind of it. And you know, before Batman versus Superman even came out, they're like, oh. You know, it's so great. People are gonna want are gonna want more of this, and then you know, Batman versus Superman didn't exactly take off. No pun intended. Um, you know, is the are people really clamoring for this? <laughs> you know, I, well, I guess I mean the the here's the thing: the movies do make money. You know, Batman versus Superman for all its. F- perceived flaws and i mean to me i i just was not a fan of it because to me i'm not a big fan of cinematic batman right you know 
In the movies, cinematic Batman kills people. He blows people up. He shoots people. And I'm not a fan of that because comic book Batman never uses a gun. Yeah. Comic book Batman never kills anybody. You know, I'm, I'm more of a fan of a comic book Batman. Yeah, because um, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Lego Batman <laughs> is as close to comic book Batman as you're going to get in movies. Right? You know? The, yeah. the live action Batman, not so much. Um, uh, so, uh, that's the same. but again, the movies still make a lot of money. Do they make Marvel universe money? Do they make, you know, do they make the, like, do the, did a uh, Batman versus Superman make as much money as, uh, Captain America, uh, winter soldier, you know, um, I think it just beat out. Captain America Winter Soldier recently still hasn't made Civil War num- numbers, still hasn't made, you know, even the Avengers numbers. So you would think having a movie with Batman and Superman together, it's again printing money, to which, you know, to an extent it is. But when you have two mighty intellectual properties like Batman and Superman, you would think, boom, billions. You know, you're talking Titanic. Yeah. You know, you should be making that kind of money. So the fact that people go to these movies and they go, eh, all right, yeah, you know, but you've whatever. got you've got a, a a new Superman that landed with a pretty loud thud. Uh, you know, for a sociopath, yeah, yeah for for, <laughs> for for a multitude of reasons. Like every everybody seemed to have a different reason why they didn't like this this version of Superman. Um, and, but it was pretty universal that 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 people didn't like it. And then you add in that, you know, as soon as they had, first of all, it was, it was kind of ridiculed at the time that, you know, Ben Affleck would even be Batman. And then you, you know, you, you actually see this, this version of him and, and, you know, yeah, it, it made money, but, um, you know, it, it's not like that movie was critically acclaimed either. So, uh, you know, I don't know what DC has to do to get back on track, but, you know, it, it just doesn't... There's something missing there. In his defense, Ben Affleck was a pretty decent Batman. Until you bring up the name of his mom. Yeah, that, he, you know, I, I would totally agree that, that I, I he had me until then, and then it just got weird. But I, you know, I, I will also say this. Of all my, uh, you know, viewings of, you know, various incarnations of of both Superman and Batman over the years, I had never made the connection that their moms were both named Martha until that moment. No, I, I, I got that. I, I got that years ago. I even thought, wow, that's a really clever thing. Someone should bring that up in a comic book. I did not know that they would get a, they were going to make it a pivotal moment in a movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And, then, and then the acting, too. I mean, the movie starts off, you know, Ben Affleck starts off as pretty much like changing lanes and Shakespeare in love, you know, Ben Affleck, meaning good acting. But by the time the third act comes along, he turns into Ben Affleck in Chasing Amy, you know, <laughs> Ben Affleck, which is just bad. It's really bad. You know? So, yeah. Well, Matt Reeves is the director is an interesting choice. And yes, it is absolutely 100% official. Or as official as it is until they actually start rolling, um, he he is the uh, director. And the the thing that he's most famous for at this point is Cloverfield, uh, which obviously came out a, a, 
a, a few years ago and it was all uh you know it was all caught on uh cell phone cameras and things like that so you know it's a little tough to judge him as a director on that one but he is doing the next installment in the planet of the apes thing so you know i'll withhold judgment on him as a director until i see what he does with those damn dirty apes <laughs> well yeah well no I mean, if they get a script, again, I have probably a little more faith that um, Ben Affleck is working on the script. I'll hold out for that. Again, you know, it's hard to mess up Batman. Batman is really one of those characters where, you know, you have to work really hard to mess him up. I mean, come on. They just made a Batman Lego movie that's raking in the money. I mean, there's got to be, you know, it's going to be difficult to screw that up. Well, I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Star Trek Discovery and, you know, Axanar and, you know, that whole settlement. And I said, you know, one of the things if you're if you're CBS, you don't want these people who made a fan film have that coming out at the same time as your series because you know you're going to have people who are going to say, hey, these fans who did this Axanar series, they did way better than, than CBS. And, you know, it's sort of the same thing where, you know, now... You know, there's going to be people who are going to say, hey, Lego Batman was a lot better than, than Batfleck Batman. <laughs> well, come on. Lego Batman fought Jaws. He, it's it's kind of hard to fight. It's kind of hard to top that. That's true. And there and that's also two franchises that, you know, it'd been been too long. They Those two franchises needed to come together. Really? It's almost literally jumping the shark. It is. It, it, so, yeah. yeah, fighting the shark is, is the new jumping the shark. <laughs> so, eh, we'll yeah. see. You know, again, you know, I think uh, you have your Justice League movie coming up. Um, there's a lot writing on that. You know, who knows? Maybe it'll win an Oscar for, like, you know, best audio, you know, best sound design. Well, speaking of best audio, you know, you should definitely check out the other podcasts here on the Radio Misfits Podcast <laughs> Network. See, that's a, Do I get an award for a segue there? Yeah, that, 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 you definitely get an award for the best segue of the year there. <laughs> you just teeing it right up for me. Uh, you yeah, know, we, there, there's actually a new, uh, a new podcast. Uh, they just had their first episode. It's called Wrapped in Plastic, which is nothing but uh, uh, Twin Peaks talk. Which is especially cromulent now because it's going to be coming back. We'll be coming back on Netflix. They're bringing the whole crew back. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, are they... Well, they solved the murder mystery, didn't they? So, I mean, why why is Kyle McLaughlin coming back to it, Twin Peaks? It's, it's, it's not it, for the coffee and that damn good pie. Yeah, it's it's just a reunion special. That that That's all it is. He just, he's just coming back to say hi because it's been a few years. <laughs> hey, remember when... <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i on uh minutia men uh rick kempfer he uh he was talking about his uh, brush with uh, dennis miller which reminded me i don't actually have a dennis miller story because you know i've met him three or four times but you know just shaking hands and he wouldn't know me from adam uh but uh uh it was a couple of years ago the radio station i was working for did an event at the chicago theater you know with with dennis miller headlining and so we're all, you know, all the people from the, the, the show, we're, we're backstage with Dennis Miller and, and John Howell, one of the hosts, he brings his son. And, and his son, who's like 12 years old at the time, is like giving Dennis Miller jokes 
and they're they're like jokes that a twelve year old would tell. And uh, no, it's kind of like Dennis Miller's material anyway. But I'm yeah, sorry. Go well, ahead. I, I was about to say, ironically <laughs> enough, Dennis didn't actually tell any of these jokes. He he decided to uh, to pass on those. Because uh, <laughs> well, he'd have to pay him. You know? <laughs> right, right. That's true. But it, it always struck me as funny that uh, you know here's here's Dennis Miller who you know uh, lo- love him or, or hate him, and people people tend to be one or the other. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's been on you know SNL and, and everything, and and he's got a twelve year old telling him, "Hey, here's a joke you should tell." It's like dad jokes, but you know, in reverse. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, of course, you can listen to uh, Wrapped in Plastic and things like Minutia Men. My favorites, the Dishing Bitches. Of course. Um, you know, using headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Audio, one of the great sponsors for Geek Counter Geek, offering uh, um, headphones and accessories with key features like eight colors and styles. Miked and non-miked versions. So if you want to uh, wear headphones where you just listen to us talking, um, Keith in one ear and me in the other, or get a miked version where you can not only listen to podcasts but also participate, make calls uh, on Skype or on your gaming platform. All of Tweaked Audio's equipment is designed to sound great for both music and talk, have noise-reducing design, and a lifetime warranty. So if you go to tweakedaudio.com and enter the discount code GCG for Geek Counter Geek, you will receive a 33% off discount as well as free worldwide shipping. As always, the code is not case-sensitive, so at checkout, enter code GCG for 33% off because, seriously, nobody should pay full price. And get free worldwide shipping. You do that and uh, tell them that Geek Counter Geek sent you. You know, it's worldwide shipping, so that means you'd have to get it delivered to you before you go on the SpaceX flight to the moon. Yes. Just, because, just remember, uh, you got to time it out that way. Not not system wide shipping, not galaxy wide shipping, worldwide shipping. I want to tell you right now, if you're that person who got um, got um, um, selected to go on the SpaceX mission to the moon, and you order a pair of tweaked audio um, mics, uh, mic headphones, and you listen to Geek Counter Geek, okay, you let us know that is oh my god product placement. Yeah, that that would be the product placement to end all product placement. Like like oh. I said, you know, you have the the laptop with the with the Netflix logo on hold, held right in front of, you know, Earthrise 21st Century. That's the ultimate product placement right there. Can you imagine if it was Dennis Miller after all this? It's Dennis Miller <laughs> who goes to the moon. Yeah, that that would be uh, that would be very interesting. Like, hey, that you would cats. Be Dennis Miller. Yeah, right. It would be Dennis Miller and Jimmy Fallon, who are both known for all they could do on SNL was Weekend Update. You could not trust them in any skits. They and were just they, doing any yeah. skits they were in. If they were in anything else, they were just going to laugh at themselves. They were just going to laugh at themselves, really. Yeah. Dennis Miller was like Jimmy Fallon before Jimmy Fallon. So. Uh, well, it was interesting that the uh, the news of the moon mission, um, you know, 
came today because uh, over the weekend we learned that uh, Bill Paxton died suddenly at the age of 61. Uh, due to complications from surgery, they're not saying what kind of surgery. Um, some people are speculating on that. It really doesn't matter, you know. It, it was it was health complications. That's all we really really needed to know. And uh, the one thing that I learned, you know, in all the uh, obituaries and everything about uh, about Paxton was that uh, he was actually photographed in Dallas on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, just before JFK was shot, um, as an as an eight-year-old boy, like, standing on his uh, dad's shoulders. I, I had never heard that, but, you know, the, the picture was all over the place over the weekend, and that, that, that's really fascinating to, to learn that about him. Well, it made me think of the, that video also where uh, uh, Bill Clinton, same thing they did with Bill Clinton. They have video of a young Bill Clinton meeting um, uh, John F. Kennedy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah during the whole campaign and they're going, ah, see, Bill Paxton could have been running for president, you know, I mean, he would have made a better president than, than, um, than, um, what's his name? That that guy, the guy from, this is our independence day. We will not go quietly into that night. You know, Bill, Bill Pullman has a great Batman voice. He, that, that I mean, uh, although I'd like to see him and Will Arnett in in a Batman off. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it seems to me back back to the issue of Bill Paxton because uh, you know after a while people were kind of like they didn't want to keep making the game over man game over jokes. I mean that got played real fast. What was really cool? The Storm Chasers who did that. Um, tribute to bill paxton right uh by uh, by doing little bits on their gps as they were chasing storms and marking them so um and you could if you looked at the map you could see that they made the um the initials bp yeah that was a really cool tribute it was really cool and um you know some folks you know what you know what are they gonna know bill paxton for are they gonna know him for twister are they gonna know him for aliens are they gonna know him as the chump in titanic who takes the old lady all the way out to Titanic to find a piece of jewelry that she had all the time that she ends up throwing into the ocean? <laughs> well, it seems like the one that uh, people were referencing the most uh, was as uh, Chet, the evil big brother in uh, in Weird Science. Oh, my God, and I remember seeing that. I remember seeing Weird Science in the theater, and Chet, he was like that big brother that you just would hate to have. You know, I never had a big brother myself. I was a big brother, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I cannot be that kind of big brother. You know, the really this obnoxious, obnoxious uh, just for the sake of being obnoxious. So, wow, he was, Bill Paxton was always so good at playing those characters. <laughs> well, yeah, you think about it. He was always, you know, well, I, I, you can't say he was always because he did play American hero Fred Hayes in Apollo 13. And, you know, he was a, he was the good guy in Twister. But he also he had a he had quite a number of uh, movies where he was kind of this this smarmy underhanded guy like uh, like he was the uh, he was the used car salesman slash spy in True Lies. And he was great in that. Oh man, he was yeah, he was he was awesome. The, the Bill Paxton had a way of being like just that character that you ugh, you couldn't stand him. You know, he knew 
how to just push the right buttons, you know, with you. And that really is, that takes talent. I mean, I think a lot of folks don't seem to realize that to play a character that you're automatically going to dislike or despise, that that takes skill. I mean, because you do it poorly, it's like it's it's just annoying or or apathetic. You're like you're like I really don't care about him. But but if you do it right, you can be one of the most memorable uh, characters in the story. Because you know, other than Kelly LeBrock, if you say weird science, most people are going to think of you know Chet, the the older brother. Yeah, I even forget who the name of the other kid who was uh, opposite um, 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 was, Anthony. Yeah, it was Wyatt and Gary. Wyatt was yeah. uh, was Chet's younger brother. Right. So I mean, yeah. But so he did stand out so so much. Of course, I will always remember um, uh, Bill Paxson for the Titanic documentary. Right. It was uh, Ghosts of the Abyss where uh, where he and uh, he and James Cameron went went down there uh, several years after the movie came out. Uh, you know, he uh, you know, Cameron, he, he was on a Titanic kick for about 10 years there. And right in the middle of it, he you know, he could have picked anybody. You know, he could have could have made a lot of headlines and brought Leo down with him. But he didn't. He actually <laughs> cho- he chose uh, chose Bill Paxton, you know. Leo's like, I'm not a chump. I'm not going to sit in this this vehicle that I'm going to sit in for like 10 hours because it takes like half a day to get down there and another half a day to get back up because yeah. of compression and decompression. Well, well it's you know, a, you know he uh, James Cameron, he he already released a statement saying that, you know, they were friends, you know, before uh, before Terminator and, you know, going back to the 70s. But I, th- I think it really says a lot about their friendship that, you know, this was something that clearly meant a lot to him. And, you know, Bill's the one that he chose to involve in it. Yeah. And 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 it, he did. He made that. It was like he had that everyman quality about him, too. You know, as you're watching this film, and and I remember seeing it um, at the Museum of Science and Industry on their big IMAX screen. And um, and they're going down, and you see the whole bit, and Bill Paxson's talking to the, the, the Russian dude who's like, you know, piloting the thing as they go down. And he's like, oh, you know, it's it. again, you're sitting there and you go, oh, man, this guy, I know exactly how he feels. I would feel exactly the way he does right now if I were in his shoes. Yeah, there was one scene where I, I think it's when they're when they're first diving on the Titanic. He uh, he's talking to the Russian guy and they're they're talking about like all the stuff that can go wrong. And, uh, and they, they talk about dropping the, the battery pack so that they can just float up to the surface if anything goes wrong. And he says, and the, the Russian guy says, well, we, we usually don't want to do that because it's very expensive. And he just goes, uh, do you take a check? <laughs> and like, it wouldn't matter anyway, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm sure a lot of that was scripted, but that was actually, you know, to a certain extent, that was, you know, that was Bill Paxton as a. Uh, you know, as, as a person, not not Bill Paxton acting necessarily. Right. Yeah. Which is why he was perfect for that. You know, he was perfect for that. Now, again, you sit there and you watch the guy and you just had so much empathy for him. It made you forget all those other characters that he's played, you know, in a way, which, again, a testament to the man's talent. 
Yeah. You know, Elliot, as a, as a special tribute to Bill Paxton, I'm going to dress up as his character from Terminator, you know, with the blue spiked hair and the tire track on the side of my face. <laughs> I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. I'm going to de- dress as the um, LAPD police officer he played in Predator 2 and, you know, just basically ride the red line and see what happens. Yeah, I see that ending well. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.